Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. Oh, man, it's Friday. It's September 9th, and this is the last episode of this podcast that you'll hear before the NFL weekend arrives, and, it, and it, it's all happening. I mean, thank God. This is incredible. We're recording this on Thursday before the Bills and Rams game that I previewed with Dalton yesterday, so uh, just keep that in mind. We can't react to that, uh, so we're just going to be previewing the Sunday and Monday night games, and along for the ride here is indeed Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you feeling that real football is finally here? Yeah, ready to go. Felt like it was a long preseason. We've done a lot of drafting. We've done a lot of analysis. We've done a lot of talking. Let's get to the meat. Let's get to the fun stuff. These are the games. These are the games, man. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, before we dive in to our week one preview, the first preview of the 2022 season, we do have a few uh, news notes to hit here, starting with a couple of injured guys. Um, it sounds like there's, I don't know how much of a chance like Michael Gallup has to play for the Cowboys in week one. It, it is a Sunday night game, just like with Chris Godwin, who also, I don't know, like he's still, you know, likely to miss week one. I don't think you should look definitely not. Hopefully you're probably not relying to, on Michael Gallup and fantasy, uh, of course, but even Chris Godwin, like I wouldn't bank on either of these guys in week one. And frankly, like Scott, I'm still kind of like, TBD on on how effective any of these guys will be in September if they do play. Although Jerry sounds more bullish than you know, of course Jerry sounds more bullish on like the Cowboys' optimism uh, than we probably are on the outside. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly going to be hands off these guys. And look, this is the healthiest your fantasy roster is going to be all season. The bye weeks haven't kicked in yet. You should have contingency. You should have really strong contingency options. So don't. Don't be a hero. Don't get tripped up by the name value. You know, play your healthy guys and we can wait. Um, I'm not waiting on Michael Gallup anyway, but you, you're going to want to play Chris Godwin later in the season. Just don't play him this week. Yeah, I mean, his quote on on the podcast that I talked about, I think it was, you know, a couple of episodes ago, probably with Dalton, that like, yeah, it does, sounds like he's not even really banking on being 100% until later in the season, which makes a ton of sense. Um, guy who's not 100% to start the season is George Kittle. I, I, this news broke about George Kittle suffering a groin injury that he might miss week one. Unfortunately, broke like 
about two hours after I taped with Dalton, who I'm sure would have had a lot to say about this. But Scott, you know, Kittle's not practicing right now. Um, it, it, he is certainly highly questionable for week one. Aaron Wilson uh, of Pro Football Network said that 49ers tight end George Kittle's groin injury is, quote, not good. Contingency plans are in place for him should he be ruled out for the first game against the Bears. One source characterized the injury as serious enough it would be best for him to miss the game. I mean, we could be potentially looking at a multiple uh, week absence for George Kittle. Um, what was your reaction to this one? Yeah, I, I don't have any George Kittle on my roster. He's one of my favorite real life NFL players, but anybody who drafted him, I, I think it's incumbent that you have to have an an Albert O or an Evan Ingram or you know, pick up whoever it is that you like outside the top 10 at tight end. If you're in a shallower league, maybe Cole Komet, you were lucky to get him, who I think might be a top 10 tight end all year. But you got to have a, another guy. You, you got to have somebody who can tell yourself a story that he could be your primary player for the majority of the season because Kittle, unfortunately, the one bugaboo with him, I guess two bugaboos because he hasn't been a big touchdown guy, uh, commensurate with his talent in his career, but um, it's just hard to count on a full season from him. And it, look, it goes for most of the guys in the NFL. The tight end is an attrition position, but if you, for some reason, have Kittle and, and have not addressed that second tight end, man, you, you got to get out there and, and throw some chips around. Yeah, 100%. A couple other guys I'd, I'd nominate uh, names as well. Irv Smith, uh, he might be out there. He's a decent option that might turn into, like like you said, a top 12, top 10 tight end. Um, I love Albert O, obviously. I mean, I don't know about Noah Fant, but like, and a couple, then a couple deeper names, like say you're in a league with psychos that draft like two tight ends or whatever. I would also nominate VCU's finest, Moali Cox and Gerald Everett. I, I, Scott, I've been like, and Evan Ingram is a good one from, from you too. That's certainly going to be on waivers. Gerald Everett. I, I, it's probably just me drinking the Kool-Aid from Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler when they were on the show talking about Gerald Everett. But I do think he's got a decent chance to like a longer shot than a guy like Irv Smith, but a chance to turn into a starting tight end. So a couple of names there, but yeah, I would, I would be prepared to miss multiple games here for Kittle and, and I'm with you man he didn't end up on many of my teams just because of the volume concerns yeah I love the guys you mentioned uh, Herbert I drafted in my 400 pick league uh, the previous night Justin Herbert exposure we love that Mo Ali Cox has always been a per snap per target winner the, the key with him is just getting on the field more and being a little bit more prioritized by his offense. I think we might see that this year. And, and Matt Ryan sure seems like an upgrade for the Colts over the Carson Wentz regime. So I'm all for him. I was just giving some names off the top of my head and I, I stand behind the guys I mentioned, but yeah, any, any Mo Alley Cox props. I, I think I had him in my sleeper article that, that popped midday Thursday. He's certainly somebody I'm, I'm in on. Um, we don't know who Indianapolis's second target is going to be their, their second downfield focus, Michael Pittman, and we all have going to the moon, but you know, somebody else is going to go into space too. Maybe Mo Alley Cox can be that guy. Yeah, he'll be he'll be in the Pittman uh, orbit there. I, I like the way you phrase that. <laughs> um, speaking Wednesday, Saints head coach Dennis Allen wouldn't commit to Michael Thomas playing week one against the Falcons. I mean, shoot, man, I, I, Michael Thomas is definitely in the like there's always something Hall of Fame. And he's he's already I hate that he's already starting in it with an injury when we're already kind of hoping that he's not coming back. So I, I'm sure you don't have Michael Thomas on any of your teams, Scott. And um, this is probably not again. It's just not the way you want to start this thing. No, I think you have to be prudent. Fortunately, receivers deep enough that even somebody who drafted proactively into Thomas probably has a really good receiver behind him in the depth chart. I would just roll with him. I just also want to mention one of the guy who's not on this rundown, but I don't think he practiced Thursday. What's your level of concern on Alan Lazard? Who look, we want oh, him yeah. to be a story, right? I mean, I, you know, Adams is gone. The rookies have kind of been a little bit slow off the mark this summer. I know Sammy Watkins' season is always known as week one, but um, <laughs> would, would you be nervous to, to push play on? Now look, I, I look, 
with any of these guys with the injuries, you're going to have to grind the news on Friday. That's a huge injury day, of yep. course. And then maybe even on the weekend, you know, the NFL is just every day. You are going to be clued into NFL news the, every day for the next three or four months. That's what fantasy football is. But what's your level of concern with Lazard right now? Tell you what, buddy, I, I was concerned to click yes on Alan Lazard in the draft room, right? Like I didn't draft much of Alan Lazard and it was, I didn't know about this injury. It was, it's kind of like a random last minute thing, but so I don't, I don't have to face this decision on any of my rosters, but I would definitely be concerned. Like the, the, the fact that he hasn't practiced the fact that it's sort of like an undisclosed thing, you know, I mean, this morning Matt LaFleur was like, all right, yeah, we'll see if he practices Thursday. And he didn't, you know, he didn't practice. So I would, I would be pretty concerned. I mean, I'd be concerned if you have to like count on Alan Lazard in week one of your fantasy football lineup anyways, but, but yeah, I do. I do think there's some concern with this, and I mean, it, Scott, it just cements what I would have said a couple pods ago, buddy. Sammy Watkins, like at least week one, he's he's going for you know a buck fifty and two touchdowns. Probably won't be heard from again, but that's happening. That is happening. Yeah, is, I love the Sammy Watkins season. Sammy Watkins season is is a one week season. It's week one, yeah, and we've seen it before. And I could do a DFS build that has Sammy Watkins on it. So so what a great time to be alive. I mean, I don't know if it's a great time to be alive because of that, but uh, but it is definitely a Sammy Watkins season here in week one against the Vikings as well. Last thing here that before we move into our preview, Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman says that Baltimore would be going with a hot hand approach at running back in week one. Um, we know J.K. Dobbins, like, you know, Lamar Jackson saying it like, a couple weeks like he'll be ready i don't know the whole jk dobbins thing is a bummer but if you're relying on a talk, talk like your team is your team is pretty screwed if you're relying on like mike davis or Kenyon drake or something like that but i just think like that what this brings me back to scott that you know talking about like well will they go with mike davis or Kenyon drake like there was so much ink spilled all offseason about like the baltimore ravens are going back to their run heavy approach and like they sure might but I mean, are they really going to go back, try to establish the run with like Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I actually did put Mike Davis on my sleeper piece, too, and it felt a little bit gross. I just thought maybe I could get him to a projectable 10, 12 touches before the game starts. And maybe I have to walk that back a little bit with the roaming quotes. And man, Baltimore, you know, they're such a smart team. But the depth of their offense right now, I mean, we know they have a great tight end. We know they have a, a breakout receiver in Bateman. And we're hoping that Isaiah likely can be ready to be an impact player early for what we would normally think for a rookie tight end. But it's really, really barren. Lamar, bring bring your cape, man. We, we, we may need you not just to be a superhero. We may need you to actually be Superman. Of course, they get the Jets in week one, which is a good draw. But with Baltimore, we know strong infrastructure. They're one of the most injured teams in the league last year. You got to figure some of that reverses course this year. But uh, Lamar, man, we need you. We, we, we need you to, to run for 90. We need you yeah. to, to throw for 250, you know, being incorporated in three, three or four touchdowns, something like that. Because right now we know it's a time where running backs can come out of nowhere and you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of capital to fill the running back position in the NFL. But until Baltimore gets the players they want back. And, and it sounds like a few weeks for Dobbins. Who knows when Gus Edwards will be ready. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, – they're bringing guys off the street, right? Mike Davis yeah. off the street. Kenyon Drake off the Kenyon street. Off the you street. know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they signed somebody else, some, some different Baltimore player we're discussing next week. I think it's just a – it's a week-to-week -week league for the Baltimore Ravens at running back. And shoot, man, that sounds an awful lot like the 2021 Baltimore Ravens when they signed Latavius yeah. Murray off the street. They signed Devonta Freeman go. off the street, and then they brought Le'Veon Bell off the street, like in the middle of the season. So, yeah, it's it's looking painfully familiar. Um, and I agree with you, man. Like, I think Lamar is going to have to show, and I think he can be. We just 
I don't think we've seen it yet that he can be a talent elevator at the quarterback position. He's going to have to be that guy this year, which if he is, then we're probably looking at like a, you know, deep playoff run, potential MVP, a second MVP season for Lamar Jackson. But um, yeah, it, you love how concentrated the offense is for fantasy, but you don't love the depth of the offense. That is a great point, uh, Scott. All right, let's move into the meat of the week one preview here, man. So I wanted to kind of come up with a structure for these to like a repeatable format every single week so that we don't sit here and like spend 30 minutes talking about one game and then like, oh shoot, well, people still need to know stuff from the other game. So the way we're going to do this is Scott and I, uh, well, so I sat down and ranked every single game, like sort of in, in relative importance, you know, and then we'll do a separate preview for the Sunday Monday night games. But for these uh, particular ones, Going to go with like general thoughts and then Scott and I will each give you the one thing you need to know or watch from this game and, and obviously who you need to start and play along the way. So let's start with the first game I have ranked here and it feels weird to say, but I think one of the best fantasy games on the slate this week is the Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. The total right now is 48 and a half. The Eagles are four point favorites. Scott, what do you feel about this game overall? I'm excited, Ben. I mean, you know, the Hard Knocks Lions, uh, they did cover 11 times last year. They only won three games. A lot of skill talent we like. I think Jared Goff is good enough. And I'm really excited to see what the, what the Sun God, what St. Brown does in his second season. I mean, he, he was one of the, I think league winner is sometimes an overused phrase, but he was a league impactor. You know, he was an influencer in the fantasy playoffs, number two wide receiver, I think in the final month of the season. And what I always ask myself, and, and, and you can speak better to this than anybody with all your reception perception work, is does a receiver's skill set or does his route tree or is what's in his, his box of tools, does it match up well with the quarterback he's playing with? And I certainly think that's the case with St. Brown. I drafted him proactively. I'm overweight on St. Brown. I need him to be that 1150, you know, seven, eight touchdown guy that I think he's going to be, even on a team where with the added shark, they're going to get Jameson Williams back at some point. TG Hawkinson's a good player. John, you know, Swift is a good player. Williams isn't a bad running back, but I really want to see, I would really like to be at halftime. And, and, and if, if I haven't caught a lot of the game, I'll watch as much of this as I can, but I want to see the sun God have like four or five catches at halftime. I want, I want him to get off to, a strong start so I can start drinking some confirmation bias and say, hey, I was right, right about St. Brown. I, I drafted into this guy. You know, it was a proactive pick for me. And I, I, why can't he catch 90 or 100 balls? Let's go. Wheels up. I know. Yeah. And like you can still, you know, before kickoff, get like his over under for the season at like 75 something catches. And like, I, I think he clearly can get over that just on on Amon Ross St. Brown too. True Media has the Eagles' sixth highest zone coverage rate last year. We know that Amon Ross St. Brown, like you talk about the skill set of him matching up with Jared Goff, he's that zone-beating receiver that wins underneath, which I, I think is just – it's why I called him Bud like Cooper Cup, why I still call him Bud like Cooper Cup, is he's such a perfect fit with Jared Goff in that role. So I'm with you. I'm, I drafted a ton of Amon Ross St. Brown, and I feel extremely excited about it. My big question, uh, and th the thing you need to know in this game, you know, is, is Jalen Hurts. Right. Like I want to see how Jalen Hurts plays with all of these upgraded um, weapons like you're you're starting. I think you're definitely starting uh, A.J. Brown. Obviously, you're definitely starting uh, Dallas Goddard, you know, but how Jalen Hurts plays will affect, you know, what the ceiling is for Brown, obviously, with the course season. But like, I think if Hertz comes out and, you know, the Lions defense is still rather questionable. But if he comes out and has like a big week one game, I'll start to feel pretty good about like 
playing uh, Devontae Smith as a high upside dart throw on a weekly basis. You know, it's like definitely not going to get a ton of targets. I think most of those are going to go to Brown, but it'll make me feel better about him as a wide receiver three or four in like a a multi-wide receiver starting league. So that's kind of where I'm at on this game. Let's move on to the next one here. I've got Kansas City Chiefs at Arizona Cardinals. This one, I mean, there's actually a lot of questions I have on, on these two on these two teams. 53 and a half total. Chiefs are six point favorites, which was they were actually opened at like minus three, which was pretty surprising, even though they're they're the road team here. Scotty, how are you feeling about this one overall? Yeah, you know, the item I have listed is the Kansas City backfield. I want to see how the distribution goes there. But really, I could have said the entire Kansas City offense, because we don't know snap shares, target shares for all of their receivers. Their first year after Tyreek Hill. So is, is Juju ready for a big bounce back? Is, is, how quickly can Sky Moore get onboarded to be a factor? Is MVS just going to be a few deep shots a week, or can we actually play him with any level of confidence? Have they given up on McCall Hardman? And the running backs, right? I mean, CEH, we've all kind of gotten a little bit cold feet on him. Isaiah Pacheco had a moment in the summer, and it kind of faded a little bit because McKinnon's still here, and Ronald Jones still made the team. It's a cast of thousands in, in Kansas City, and it's an offense with Andy Reid. It's an offense with Travis Kelsey. It's an offense, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes. We know somebody else here. We're going to look back, Matt, and we I got to figure we're going to say, oh, man, why didn't we see XYZ coming with Kansas yeah. City? Why didn't we draft that guy proactively? I don't know who that player is, and, and I guess maybe I have to be open-minded that it's going to be so splintered and spread out that maybe there's no right answer other than Mahomes and Kelsey, but... I feel like there was a right answer. I don't know if I drafted that guy. I have I have some McKinnon. I have some Juju. There's not one player I can say I'm hanging my hat on or planting a flag on with Kansas City. So it's the first time I've looked at a Kansas City offense and thought, I know there's somebody here I want. I don't know who that player is. I They've kind of been, the, to me, the trickiest team to analyze this summer. I completely agree with you. And I, I feel pretty confident. I know how it's going to start, but I'm not sure how it ends, if that makes sense. Like weeks one through four, I think I know how it's going to go. But weeks, you know, 10 to 10 to the end of the season, I, I'm not 100 percent sure at all. And, and I mean, Patrick Holmes kind of basically said as much. I was reading a quote from him today where he's like, yeah, I think folks are used to it. I'm paraphrasing and I'm butchering it. But he was basically like, you know, it, it, people are used to just being Travis and Tyreek. Like, it's not going to look like that at all. Basically, like, don't draft my receivers in fantasy, right? Because <laughs> he thinks this thing is going to be spread around to a lot of different guys. And I, I could certainly see that. And I, I, again, my read on the Chiefs receivers is that we're going to get MVS as like the X receiver. And he's mostly going to be exactly who MVS has been, which is when he goes out there and he catches a few of those deep balls, he's going to win you a week, but he is a volatile producer. Um, and he'll be more of like a coverage dictating type guy for this team, clearing things out for Kelsey and Juju underneath. And I think that Juju probably plays the most, probably gets the most targets. I think Juju actually can end up being a really good starting fantasy receiver. I actually, this is the first year I, I did draft proactively to use your uh, term, Scott into Juju Smith Schuster, but Man, I, I could see that changing. But if you do feel confident like that you can get these receivers right, this is a good week one matchup. You know, the Cardinals have a lot of questions on defense. Their secondary has some holes in it. Um, the cornerback room is not particularly great. And it, they're sort of like a live by the sword, die by the sword defense. And, you know, those are typically the defenses that Patrick Mahomes uh, makes mincemeat of. If I told you you could have one of the inexpensive Chiefs, so let's say somebody drafted after Juju, which player would you be most eager to roster? It would 100% be Sky Moore, um, okay. but 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 
I don't really want, I didn't really want to draft him. I want to hope that, uh, I want to hope that I can play the Amon Ross St. Brown game with him where people draft him, they drop him because he's not being used that much early in the year. And then I, I pick him up later in the year, but I can totally get banged by that. But I just think he's the best talent and I think has the chance to be like the best player on this team. In, I love the in way the you frame that too. I, one of the most important things you need to do all fantasy season long is audit who was dropped. And one one thing is that really successful fantasy managers do is they're able to pick up on cuts where somebody for you know bye weeks are going to come in week five I think it is there's gonna be, or maybe it's week six five or six I think it's five your opponents are going to be one and four they're going to cut guys they have injuries they need to do things they don't want to do and you're going to get opportunities hopefully you're one of the four and one teams you're one of the five and one four five and zero oh teams whatever it is and you can start planning for the future and you can start picking off some of these guys. And one of the great things about rookies, we've seen it a lot with running backs and we've seen it a lot with receivers. St. Brown fit this suit last year. Two years ago, Jonathan Taylor was kind of like this, where the second half of their rookie year, it's like their second year players all of a sudden. The experience yep. is different. The team ask can be different. The just level of confidence can be different. So I want you, a lot of times it's a case of maybe you don't draft these rookies, but man, be ready to pounce and be ready to stash when your opponents have to cut them regretfully in the middle of a season. Yeah, I was going to say, pay attention to your opponents' bye weeks and pay attention to these team bye weeks. Like, I always bring it back to Hayden Wings, who you know, calls it the post-bye rookie bump, and and mm-hmm. that, that can really happen for Sky Moore, who, by the way, at the Chiefs' bye week is week eight this year. That's right in that kind of perfect middle of the season, can still Love give it. you many good fantasy weeks after that. So I could see the Chiefs, like, by week eight being like, all right, enough already with McCole Hardman. We've, we've tried. It hasn't worked. Let's get Sky Moore out there as a feature player, um, and, you know, potentially you're getting, like, seven to eight targets a game. I could see that, and he's just, he's just a good player, man. So that's, that's why I go with him. I, I'm also focusing on the receivers on the other side of the ball because you know, I think that the Cardinals wide receivers, we kind of know who these guys are. Like DeAndre Hopkins, we know is suspended, obviously going to miss the first six games of the season. And then like it's Rondell Moore. What role is he going to play? Marquise Brown? I, I I like Marquise Brown. I drafted a decent bit of him with the knucklehead factor, you know, not notwithstanding there, Scott. Um, but like, I, I do think he fits really well with Kyler Murray. I do like that the team went after him aggressively this offseason. And then it's probably AJ Green, right? But like, are the, we know that my biggest criticism of Cliff Kingsbury has been he's too static with these guys' roles. So I'm ready to like, I'm ready to overreact to Rondell Moore's week one usage basically is like the way that I, I would put this. Cause he's the one guy, like if he's still doing this, like fake wide receiver running back bullshit, like then I'm, I'm going to be like, forget it in week. If that's what we see in week one. But if we do see him have like an average depth of target of eight or nine, he's playing a full snap load as that slot receiver. I'm going to be ready to boost him up my rest of season rankings rather quickly. Man, please let this guy get downfield. His A dot was microscopic last year. I believe it was last in the NFL. And I just, Cliff, you got to do something else. You have a guy who can run routes. You know, he doesn't have to be this bubble screen guy or, or this handoff behind the line of scrimmage guy. So I would love to see Rondell Moore get a more diverse target tree. And what better time than now with Hopkins isn't ready to go. And oh, look, Hollywood Brown, I mean, we, we've talked so much about Adams and Carr getting reunited in Vegas. But, you know, obviously Hollywood and and um, Kyler Murray made beautiful music in college. Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy. So, you know, they're, they're already familiar. They already know what what stuff they like to do together, how they can riff together. I, I would love to see Hollywood get off to a fast start. I didn't get a lot of Hollywood this year. It was just a more of a case of the players who went in his range were other players that I liked, maybe a little bit more than him, but it isn't like a fate of him. I, I'm not saying that people are wrong if they drafted a lot of Hollywood Brown, but man, they need him. 
because six games without DeAndre Hopkins. And, and there's a guy also, Hopkins, man, I, I nervous when he comes back. Uh, he did have attrition in his game last year. At least it's not an injury, so he'll come back ostensibly 100% healthy. But Cliff Kingsbury, if you're really an NFL coach for the long term, we're going to see some voodoo in the next six weeks because you, your team needs it. Yeah. They absolutely do. All right, next game here, we've got Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers, one of the the first of, of many super exciting AFC West matchups yes. that we'll get here. The total, Scott, I can tell in Scott's voice, he's already excited. I, I'm gassed up about this game too. Uh, the total is 52 right now, Chargers minus three and a half. Um, Scott, I mean, there's so many directions we can go, but give me your first thing that you're, uh, you people need to know in this one. Yeah, my first goal is to not call them San Diego and not call them Oakland. I, th- I think I'm over oh that. Oh, my God, we'll great, great point. Great point. But I want to see if the Raiders junk the running game, all right? They, we know they're not really in love with Josh Jacobs. It's his final you know, run around the lap, and then they're going to they're gonna go a different r- route next year. I don't know if Amir Abdullah steps into a 50- or 60-catch role. They've talked about that. Brandon Bolden is there. Zamir White is there and all that. But Derek Carr's here. And Devonte Adams is here, and Darren Waller's here, and Hunter Renfro's here. And when you don't have a great offensive line, you can usually mask it easier in pass blocking than run blocking. If you can't run block, it's really you can't scheme your way into a good running game. You just need to be able to move some some piles, some open some holes. So I wonder at one point if Josh McDaniel says, "Screw it, we'll just throw 680 passes," I, and I'm all here for it, man. Yeah. I'd love to see Adams have a huge year. Waller with you know, with the hold in, he's going to get paid. You know, he's presumably ready to go. I think Hunter Renfro is underrated. Yeah, he's not. You know, he doesn't have an alpha set of, of skills, but I don't see any reason why he can't catch a hundred passes again, especially with Carr there, with McDaniel's there. So, I'm hoping, and as you said, AFC West man wheels up. Let's every one of these games, any AFC West game that they want to make a standalone game, I'm fine with it. You know, when they start flexing games later in the season, um, this is, I can't wait to, to watch all four of these teams and. I've drafted into I love, Derek Carr might be my most rostered quarterback. So maybe wow. I'm kind of pushing what I need. I say that it's not fun to say that, by the way. I do like Derek Carr, but the, the problem is even if he has a huge season, it's like, oh, yeah, Derek Carr was great. He was quarterback seven. I mean, I, right. I, I don't expect him to ever be quarterback one or quarterback two, quarterback three, where if you draft a lot of these other guys, you can tell yourself a story. They can be the story of the year quarterback. I, I don't feel that way about Carr, but I think this team, maybe there's a path to them throwing 700 passes. And man, I'm, I'm here for it. I completely agree. And that's kind of probably what you would need for Derek Carr to get to that like top five quarterback ceiling is he'd have to throw just a ton of passes and and really convert high on the touchdown column, which, by the way, these three great red zone players he has there in Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and uh, and Hunter Renfro, even around the goal line with how shifty he is and aware of space he is. So I agree with you. Like, I, I don't I, this is what week one is all about is trying to get the reactions right. Like everybody's going to react in week one and a lot of people are going to overreact, but if the Raiders, Oh, for sure. We we are going to overreact on our Sunday podcast, Scott. And and that's okay. It's, it's, it's part of what it is. Um, It's the mistakes you make, but you, if you're going to overreact, you want to overreact to the right stuff. Like, and if the Raiders come out and they're trying to establish the run with like a 50, 50 split between damn Josh Jacobs and Zamir white, even if it's against the chargers who had a bad run defense last year, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be a little worried, but if they come out and they throw uh, the piss out of the ball with these great receivers, I'm going to be very excited. So on the other side of it here, I'm really interested in the bit players on the chargers. And what I mean by that is that we know Eckler's a stud, Keenan Allen's a stud, Mike Williams, a stud, Justin Herbert is the straw that serves a drink. He can win MVP this year. But 
I am curious about, I mentioned Gerald Everett up at the top. Um, I, I want to see like, what's his usage like? Is Josh Palmer really the no doubt about it, set it and forget it wide receiver three? Is he running like a route on 75, 80% of Herbert's dropbacks? Cause that's going to boost his weekly floor and ceiling. And then is there any clarity? I mean, Austin has basically said on the show that it's going to be like an open competition between all season long, basically for that RB two job is kind of the way I've interpreted it. Like, Josh Kelly's probably going to get the first run at it. And then Sony Michelle is going to mix in a little bit, but like do either of those guys F it up to, to make room for, you know, Isaiah Spiller down the line, something like that. Are we going to get any clarity on that more than we kind of already feel? Um, so those are the guys I'm watching, uh, particularly Everett and Palmer. Um, I'm not sure how good either of those guys are, but they could get really good opportunity here uh, in a great passing offense with a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. Yeah, I I have a fair amount of Everett in deeper leagues. And Palmer, to me, is a fascinating. He's one of the most interesting fantasy commodities of somebody you're not going to draft. You're not going to start in week one in, in a standard league. He's no, nowhere near your starting lineup. But he's one news item away from being a starting receiver tied to maybe the best quarterback yep. in the league. And a team, by the way, I, I have um, I didn't mention this with the Eagles. I have them winning the NFC, although it's more of a shaky pick there. I have the Chargers winning the AFC. I have the Chargers winning like the, it. the whole championship. So. Love that you have Eckler's ear. He was obviously he's been great with since he's been involved with Yahoo and, and very forthcoming. He understands fantasy, so you can get all the great intel in the running back room for the Chargers. But we know to draft running back lottery tickets, right? Or guys who are one injury away, one news item away, one ticker feed item away from spiking. We need to endorse that idea at receiver, and Josh Palmer is probably the best example of that. I 100% agree with you. Um, KJ Osborne, another example in Minnesota, yes. like the yeah, wide receiver, like uh, insurance policies. We need to be more uh, into those guys. Next game up here. I mean, we've talked a ton about the damn 49ers, but San Francisco 49ers at Chicago Bears. Uh, Scott, I'll let you start. We both just spoiler alert. We both have. I've got Trey Lance's plate. Scott's got Justin Fields. I know you, you filed our you know, bold predictions article this week that um, you think Justin Fields outscores Trey Lance or can outscore Trey Lance. So Give me kind of your um your your spiel here on Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean it was a bold prediction that Fields will will beat Lance. It's certainly you know if if I could just pick one of them with uh, for my mortgage, I would pick Lance. I get it. Sure, but let's just remember a lot of what we like about Lance, we like about Fields. They're both first round picks. They're both proactive runners. They both had moments last year. I think we can feel good about. Now Chicago did not build. They didn't stock the fridge for Fields the way the Niners presumably have stocked it for Lance, although a lot of the stuff was already there before Lance even came to San Francisco. But I don't know. Maybe I'm doing one of the worst things you can do, Matt, which I'm getting excited about preseason football where teams don't even care half the time and and you know defenses are vanilla and backups are playing. But I at least have a coaching staff I don't hate in Chicago. I used to hate the coaching staff in Chicago. I like Darnell Mooney. I think Cole Komet is easily going to beat his ADP on volume. And now that Jimmy Graham, you know, garbage touchdowns have been hopefully bequeathed to Komet, I want to draft those guys and start those guys. And I think Fields is going to be one of the three or four most active runners at the position. You hope he doesn't get killed. He doesn't get a little bit too reckless with that. But the thing with with Lance, and I'll, and I'll throw this over to you because I know you're going to take the San Francisco side of this. I just can't forget that he's only thrown, what, fewer than 400 passes the last four years. I think we're taking a lot of the Lance stuff on spec. Yes, he was the third pick. Yes, they drafted early to get him. Yes, it's Kyle Shanahan. But if I'm in a room with, like, Dalton Del Don, who already views Trey Lance as a top-five quarterback, I just walk in saying, I'm never going to get Trey Lance. It's yeah. just I'm not going to pay for him, draft, you know, 
him at an ADP where he has to be great right away. And I, and I get it. You can draft Lance and get a good backup quarterback anyway. You could even have both these guys on the same team. It would kind of right. make sense in some roster builds. But I think the Bears are going to be bad, but I think Justin Fields is going to be good for fantasy. And it may be, some of it may be ugly. Some of it may be not watch the game. Think of the year just uh, that uh, Jalen Hurts had last year. A lot of it came in garbage time. A lot of it came late. A lot of it came like, man, he didn't play well today, but he ran in for 75 yards and a touchdown and bailed out my day. I think Fields might have a lot of that to his fantasy life this year. But, man, I'm still – I have a lot of Bears on my team. And I I know they're one of the worst teams in football, so maybe there's a disconnect there. But uh, that is the lot I have chosen. Honestly, Scott, I'm with you like that in a weird way, Justin Fields is kind of the arbitrage Trey Lance. I mentioned it to Dalton on the last podcast that his scramble rate was only behind Trey Lance was Justin Fields. So, I mean, that makes a ton of sense to me, but I I will stick with Trey Lance here. And I won't go too deep into it because, you know, we've talked about Trey Lance on the podcast and um, he's definitely a guy that like talk about what we said at the top where I'm just ready to see it already. I'm just ready to see this thing play out. Trey Lance is definitely a guy that where I'm just, I'm ready to just see it play out at this point. So um, I just really want to see how it works. I want to see how he operates in this offense. I want to see how he throws the ball. Um, if there really are accuracy concerns. And I think that is, I, I do kind of wish we were getting the full um, arsenal of guys here that we were going to get George Kittle. Although at this point, I don't think we are because I want to see the target distribution between Ayuk and Samuel and, and, and George Kittle and really put that theory to the test about a Trey Lance being a better fit um, for a guy like Brandon Ayuk than other players. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that I'm probably, it, especially without Kittle, I'm probably starting Debo and Ayuk with confidence and, and Elijah Mitchell. And I think if you have Trey Lance, you can, you can play him in this one too. Does the speculative Niners running back stand out to you? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> it's mostly because I think the coaching staff likes and trusts Jeff Wilson. Um, and I, I, I definitely just spooked with the whole Trey Sermon. Like, I think it's somebody has to take the damn keys away from Kyle with the with like trading up for running backs. Like, he's got he designs a great running game, but every time he uses significant resources for a guy, he ends up replacing him with a guy he didn't use significant resources on. So, um, no, I, I right now I think Jeff Wilson's probably the number two guy, but obviously I can see that changing. Um, totally and, fair. Totally fair. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to the next game, I wanted to make one quick note about Rondell Moore. Um, while we were taping this, it came out that he was uh, he injured his hamstring in practice. I, so I just talked about him a bunch on a couple games ago. So just to make a note of that, that he actually might be in question for week one. All right. Next game up here, Pittsburgh Steelers at Cincinnati Bengals, 44 and a half total. Bengals are minus six and a half. Scotty, where, where are you where are you feeling with this one? Yeah, I think the Bengals are a pretty tidy fantasy team and narrow tree. You know, Chase into year two, Higgins year three, Burrow year three. Offensive lines have been upgraded. So I, I just wonder how much rust they may have. Burrow had the appendectomy. Like most teams, they did not take the summer particularly seriously in the exhibition schedule. So I, don't panic if the Bengals have two or three games where it seems like they're getting their feet wet and getting their bearings set. Because I still think everything, all the rosy things we've said about the Bengals before the season still comes to fruition. I guess maybe I'd like to see if, if one of the backs behind Mixon establishes himself as a clear number two. But Cincinnati's one of the cleanest fantasy teams for me. I think we know where the bread is buttered, and we, we just want to have some of that toast. 
hundred percent agree. Um, you know, they're also while they remade this offensive line, they're working in a ton of new players there. Like that might be a unit that it's better in the second half of the season. And they're going against TJ Watt and the boys in, in week one. So uh, th- this could be a slower start for the Bengals. That's a good call by you. I wouldn't panic on their guys. If it's a slower start here in week one on the Steelers side of this, I'm actually going to change my answer. I wrote on the outline that my my thing I was most interested in is how is how does Mitch play? And I am frankly, I am interested in how Mitch plays, but I'm also like more so interested in how much from last year carries over, not just at the quarterback position where uh, Mitch Trubisky in the preseason had like an almost 10 uh, average depth of target, whereas we know Ben Roethlisberger was like minuscule last year. So I I do want to see that. But I also want to see like Najee Harris. Are they going to use them like a bell cow back again? Probably, but I believe he he was the highest guy that played like the bulk of the season and percentage of his team carries. And I think it kind of went underreported that Jalen Warren, the rookie, uh, I think he's an undrafted rookie out of Oklahoma State, basically won that running back two job going away. They were obviously pretty excited about him. And like, he, I think he's a guy that if you like stashing backup running backs, like he might be somebody to keep on the radar for maybe down on the line in the season. But, you know, Najee Harris coming off a foot injury in the offseason. I'm curious about his usage. Like, are, are, does Jalen Warren as the RB2 here mix in? And, like, he could actually be kind of a, a like a sneaky waiver wire guy that uh, Andy and I are talking about in a couple of days from now. Yeah, I, in leagues where people are proactive about having backup running backs, he's certainly somebody who I'd like to be a week early on that, right? I'd like to get him at my price rather than have to elbow out half of the room because obviously if Harris were to get hurt, and, you know, nobody wants to talk about injuries, but it's a fact of life at yeah. running back. In your medium and already hurt. he's already he's already dealing with an injury. There you right? go. So. Yeah, the Liz Frank, right? So offensive line isn't great either. So in the medium and deeper formats, I think Warren should be on a roster. Totally agree with you there. All right, next game up. Uh, I'm I actually kind of feel like I I shorted this one in my rankings of fan. I really did, didn't I, Scott? This was this was a tough look for me. Green Bay Packers at Minnesota Vikings, forty seven total. Packers are minus one and a half, which is is pretty interesting that it, that it is that close. But um, this this one's got so much intrigue. I I really shorted this one. Talk to me about uh, what you uh, your most important note for this game is. Yeah, I mean, finally Minnesota has upgraded the offense. They've they've remodeled the kitchen. Mike Zimmer was a good coach. It was time to go. Kevin O'Connell comes in. This Rams influence. Kirk Cousins is already familiar with some of the coaches before they ever touched down to Minnesota. Justin Jefferson, year three. Adam Thielen, still useful. Dalvin Cook. Hopefully Irv Smith, who you mentioned earlier, is a possible tight end ad for the people who may not have Kittle this week. I think Minnesota is going to win the division. And Mm. I'm so rosy and optimistic about Minnesota. I almost welcome somebody to, to give me contrary opinions to, to maybe ground me a little bit. I have a lot of cousins. I have a lot of Jefferson. And again, I, I just want to, this is a team that was on a go-kart and and now they're, you know, they're in a SUV, you know, I mean, they, they, they're finally modernized and Kirk Cousins. I know he's a polarizing guy. He doesn't have a great playoff resume. He has a really bad knack of playing poorly in primetime games. I think that's more of a, I don't know, just something people talk about than, than maybe any truth that Kirk Cousins not having it. But I think Minnesota's going to be a really fun team. I don't know how great the defense is, and that may cap their upside. Maybe they won't win the division like I expect. But I think it's a career year for Cousins. I think Jefferson is going to justify the very high ADP that he had. And I just can't wait to see what Kevin O'Connell does modernizing this offense. There are some guys on that defense, but I could see it taking a minute to gel, which honestly, for our purposes in fantasy, 
good, right? Like if, if Aaron Rodgers is moving the ball on this defense and this offense is taking that step that we expect on Minnesota side, like this could really go over the 44, 47 total here. And I'll tell you what, Scott, like if you think that the Vikings are going to win the division, like I hope you put some put some money down on like Kevin O'Connell being coach of the year this year because I think like he he's he's a good bet for that. I can see that one playing out. Yeah, Minnesota is actually my my best bet for this week uh, against the spread. I'll be doing those picks on Friday, and I was uh, Frank Schwab was nice enough to let me sit in on a bunch of their preseason props, and I, I don't remember exactly what Minnesota props I punched. I think I have Kevin O'Connell for Coach of the Year, but I felt like every other thing that we submitted, I had a Minnesota angle. I mean, I, I was like Prince; everything was purple. <laughs> I love to see that. Well, the the reigning NFC North champs. Uh, I, I'm really honestly, I mean, especially if Alan Lazard's going to miss time. I'm I'm really interested in putting our Aaron Jones theory to the test, Scott. Like, is he really going to have this passing game role that we think? Because I, I think that his upside in the range of outcomes does include him leading the team in catches. Does include him being the most explosive receiver on the team. I'm ready to just kind of put that to the test, and I honestly don't really care about the Packers like receiver usage in this game because I think it could look very different like Sammy Watkins is already we said already said he's gonna have his 150 yard game two touchdowns but I'm not gonna use that to project the entire season and I say like these all these guys all might rotate through the course of the season so really for me it's just the Green Bay snap share uh, at running back like we know Aaron Jones is gonna be doing his thing but how involved is AJ Dillon? How much like true standalone value does he have? I think that's the biggest thing. I'm I'm actually kind of comfortable starting both these running backs just on my offseason, you know, beliefs, but um not hundred percent sure that that's how it's gonna play out. Yeah, I said all summer I thought Aaron Jones was a perfect second round pick, and I continued to press that button more often than not. We talked about the importance of young receivers, maybe giving them some time and maybe you add them in the middle of the year. Is there a young receiver in Green Bay you have your eye on? Maybe he's not useful this week, or maybe he's not on your roster this week, but maybe you, you swoop in in October and grab him. Does anybody catch your eye there? It's certainly either rookie. I think that Romeo Dobbs can play a little bit. You know, like I've I've gone back and watched some of his and charted some of his college games, and you know he's got some ability. I, I don't know that he's going to become a, a star or anything like that, but if he has a better season than Christian Watson, like I would be 0% surprised. So it's basically either rookie, and I think Dobbs is actually the guy to watch because he had the better offseason. Not that Christian Watson is just, you know, I'm, I'm writing him in as a bust or anything like that, but I think Dobbs, like his September usage is, I, I, I'll put it this way. If Dobbs goes out there and runs like the third most routes on the team with Alan Lazard out or or, or something like that, I'll I'll take note of that. But that's about it. That's about it for this screen. It's always funky when the the player who's drafted later becomes more initially fantasy interesting than the player who's drafted earlier. I'm talking the real NFL draft in the case of Dobbs and and Watson. But anyway, certainly a lot to unpack in Green Bay as they navigate the world without Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, it's going to be a weird one. I, I, this offense is just going to be funky, man. Like, I think the whole thing is, is going to be an interesting operation. Like, the two teams that we just talked about, I'm very convinced that Green Bay is going to take that leap on defense and Minnesota is yes. going to take that leap on offense. Mm-hmm. And and it's like they're two polar opposites right now at this point, which I think is a fascinating thing to discuss with this division. The Packers could have the best defense in football. That's in play. Yeah, I, and I still, as much as I like Minnesota's offense, I was cool with drafting the Packers' defense because a lot of times the defense, like, I drafted the the hell out of the Broncos' defense because they're playing Geno Smith and the boys in week one. But like Houston week I, two. And Houston week two. Like, they get off to a really, really nice start. 
I think they actually might have Trey Lance in week three, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Could be Jimmy Garoppolo in week three. Let's be fair. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. That goes against my (laughs) narratives, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I, I will say that, like, he could still have a couple turnovers. And same thing with Kirk Cousins. As much as I think this offense is going to take the next step, like, I drafted the Green Bay defense with, you know, pretty decent authority as well because... I, I think that Kirk Cousins still has puke on his shoes moments, uh, even if this offense – he could throw for – I don't know that he's going to go full Jameis and throw for like a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns and interceptions, but I could, I could see that at the same time. He, I want to ask you a question, and since we're running along already, you only get to answer it. You can't explain it. You're in a dynasty league, and I tell you, you can have Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase right now. Who do you take? Chase. I I, I, yeah, I, I have right. dynasty rankings uh, out and, I, and I've got. Chase. I love me some Justin Jefferson, but I think Chase is the right answer. It's just because he's tethered to Burrow. Like if if they were both, and I know you said I couldn't explain it, and here I'm explaining it. Like it's a small tie break because I think they're both bet great players, and I think Jefferson is the better player right now, and the guy actually would be betting on as being the slight slight better player down the line just because he's such a good route runner. But if like if um for example. Jamar Chase was tied to Derek Carr and 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 Justin Jefferson was tied to 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 Kirk Cousins. I would probably go with Justin Jefferson, but because Chase is tied to Burrow, that's the only reason there. Just, um, would, it's yeah. usually a good way to, to break ties anyway. Is, is yeah. what's the quality of the quarterback play? Also, Burrow's a lot younger than yes. the Burrow's a little sneaky old, but he's still a lot younger than Cousins. Yeah. I, <laughs> and it's just it's so funny too, man. I mean, like they're just so they're just such good players. They're just such good players. And I, I'm sitting here saying like he's tied to Burrow for the long term. But if this offseason has shown us, shown us one thing, it's like ain't nothing guaranteed, right? I mean, AJ Brown's on a new team after just three years, so uh, it is quite a wild time to be an NFL. Fan. Oh, th- this is this was the offseason of wide receiver movement. You know, Tyreek Hill finally moves on. The Adams Rogers separation, um, and there's other guys out there. You know, Nikhil Harry's not in the Patriots anymore. So this has been a lot of upheaval. <laughs> Uh, interestingly enough, uh, we are going to talk about those Patriots very soon. Uh, but first, we have to take a quick break. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we are back, and let's talk New Orleans Saints at Atlanta Falcons. Um, I know you've been pretty hard on the Saints this offseason, Scott. The total in this game, 42.5. The Saints are 5.5-point favorites. All right, tell me, like, I, I'm sure a lot of this is just like, are my priors going to be confirmed for you? That's really what it is. I'm you know, worried about the offensive line, the worst offensive line probably that Alvin Kamara has run behind, and there's been some injuries there. I don't really trust Jameis Winston. I don't think Michael Thomas, what he does well, links up well with Winston. They've added talent to that receiver room. Chris Olave is probably the rookie who I've drafted most proactively this summer. I know the Saints have a great defense, and I know Tampa Bay, man, they hate playing that Saints defense, but I don't trust this offense. I've drafted very little of it. Do you think they probably take care of business against an Atlanta team that's in the midst of a rebuild? But uh, you know, if Kamara and Thomas have pro Bowl seasons, I'm going to be 
getting killed in my Twitter mentions. And that's fine. It's a game of opinions. And look, I, I, it's fun to watch the best players be the best players, right? I mean, I won't be sad if Alvin Kamara is putting up highlights every week. At least I'll be like, hey, it's fun to watch because, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's enjoyable. But this is year two without Breeze, year one without Peyton. I'm not a, a Jameis guy. I think there's a lot of moving parts in New Orleans, and I'm not sure if they're going to really mesh together. I have very fair. Um, Chris Olave, you mentioned as the receiver you've drafted the most. I agree. He is the rookie receiver that I've drafted the most as well. Also, like his over on four and a half touchdowns for, for full season props. Oh, as wow. Well. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Smash yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Love that one. Love Chris Olave. Um, but Drake London is the other rookie receiver. Like, I think there is a clear tier of one when it comes to. I think rookie receivers from a talent perspective, but also from an immediate opportunity perspective, these guys line up so well. So my thing in this game is how much does Drake London play right now? As of, you know, like Thursday afternoon, I, it sounds like he's going to play, like he's participated in practice a little bit. Has Drake London. We saw him, you know, for like a quick flash in the preseason, then he was injured. We never saw him again. Right. So, which makes sense, but I want to see not just, so if he plays, I want to see the usage between him and Kyle Pitts. Um, like it, how much does Drake London line up as that slot receiver versus um, Kyle Pitts who lined up so much out wide. And I'm not just saying this because the Kyle Pitts horde wants me to chart him for reception perception, but Kyle Pitts should play more as an inline tight end. Like you want Kyle Pitts lined up against safeties and linebackers, not go. like press man corners on the outside. So not just for my sake, but, for, <laughs> but for like his production's sake, not his future contract sake, I'd love to see, Drake London more as the outside receiver, Kyle Pitts more as like the slot and uh, inline tight end guy. This is also going to be, and I know it's year two, it sounds really early on this, but we're going to find out, is Arthur Smith the coach we, we were hoping he was a year ago, right? Because last yeah. year, a lot of things didn't go right. The, the Pitts rookie season, you can spin different ways. He only had the one touchdown, but man, the production was good. And he sure, I mean, for a young guy came in the league really young, he sure looks like a special talent. I'm underweight on Pitts this year. It scares the heck out of me. I think he could just blow up the league and could easily be the tight end one. But I feel like next summer when we're doing this stuff, we'll have a good sense of, who knows, maybe Arthur Smith won't even be in Atlanta anymore. Or maybe we'll be like, wow, you know, it took him a year to kind of figure it out. Look at the year London just had. Look at Pitts. He just, you know, he just blew up. So uh, we're going to find out about, a lot about Arthur Smith this season as well. Agree. Um, I probably wouldn't start Drake London this week. I would just like, no, I'd let him. Yeah, I let him go. If he goes off, let him go off on your bench and feel like, okay, now I feel good that 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 he's 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 the guy I thought he was. Gonna and be one of your best him. takes, I thought this summer, and I realize the ADPs aren't apples to apples, but you were saying, look, focus on the second year receivers, right? Go get yourself some Elijah yeah. Moore, go get yourself some Rashad Bateman, and maybe let the rookie receivers come to you. We talked about, you know, maybe rookie pickup season is the middle of the year or something like that, or we chase these guys next year. But I thought if you wanted to go young at the receiver position, focusing on year two, I thought that was just a great takeaway. Yeah, I, I think that class was just so underrated last year. Like, I think there's a lot of special players. And, I mean, it's a good receiver class basically every year at this point. I'll probably say, Scotty, I'll probably be saying that same damn thing like uh, 365 days now, from now. Like, make sure you got some second-year receivers on your team because I like the, a lot of the guys in this class as well. All right, let's move to the AFC East here. New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins, 46-point total, minus 3.5 on the Dolphins' side. We both have running back takeaways here, and I, I, as much as there's intrigue in the pass game, I think for fantasy, the brass tax comes down to both backfields. For sure. I mean, the Patriots have a bunch of receivers who kind of get in each other's way. I don't know how anybody week one would be starting any of them in a regular league, but we know James White's retired. We know Harris did not get a lot of receptions last year, so can Ramondre Stevenson 
become their featured back? Can he become their third down back, or at least partly some of that? I don't know. I don't really buy this Ty Montgomery business, but who knows? It's yeah. the Patriots. And there's this idea in fantasy that isn't. I don't think it's it's a good idea that oh it's Belichick you don't know what he's going to do you got to avoid his backfield yeah so you didn't want eighteen touchdowns from like Eric Blunt right. you didn't want fifteen touchdowns from Harris last year there's been plenty of running back production and the offense wasn't even that great last year and Harris still was a great fantasy play but Stevenson's younger he's got a more diverse skill set and I, and I get it the Patriots aren't going to come out ahead of time and give you any leakage to what their usage is going to be but I was drafting proactively into Stevenson the second half of draft season and he's a player if if I'm right on him it's really going to help me he's really the only patriot I can say that I have much of a stake in I'm I'm not invested really much in anybody else but I'm hoping I don't there's no guarantee it will happen in week 1 we know backfields are fluid we know the Patriots have two new people in charge of their offense we're not really sure whose role is what um, and Matt Patricia, I'm sure he'll have a sharpened pencil behind his ear. I don't know if he'll ever actually use it or write anything useful. but So it's not an exciting Patriots team. I When I ranked all the offenses for Fantasy Juice, I had them very low in my rankings. But I'm a big Ramondre Stevenson guy, and I'd love to see a reveal, a smash reveal from him in week one. Yeah, I, w- I agree with you. I'd love to see that. I'm also kind of hoping for the same thing on the other side with Chase Edmonds, who I ended up drafting a lot of Chase Edmonds. Um, and... <sighs> like advising a lot of people to draft him based on my rankings. So, I mean, you, you're doing it on the other side there, Scott, follow, follow the money. I agree with you. Like that really is. And the timing too. I mean, Chase Edmonds was the first damn signing of free agency. Like the dolphins went out and made Chase Edmonds a, a priority. I ended up making him kind of a priority in fantasy drafts. And I think you can start him this week. His like efficiency metrics are good. The rate I, I, I talked about this with um, Dalton in a video segment the other day, like 27% of his uh, carries went for first downs. It was one of the, the top three highest marks among relevant running backs last year. He just, is the guy that moves the chains, gets it done. I bet that's a big reason why Mike McDaniel liked him. And this is the type of game script where you can use uh, both running games because it's going to be, it's three and a half points on the Dolphins side. Like I think it's going to be a close game and, you know, kind of a slug fest. So I like both running backs here. And I, I really think Chase Edmonds, I, I, I want to see it for Stevenson, but I also want to see it for Chase Edmonds as well. For sure. One of my most drafted running backs, uh, the price did steadily climb in the second half of draft season. And just a reminder of, it's nice what coaches say and what organizations say, but ultimately what they do is more important because they gave him a lot of money and gave it to him early in free agency that dictate that means more than anything they might say in a press conference. hundred percent. All right, let's move to ooh, the exciting AFC South here. we got a matchup from that division. Indianapolis Colts at Houston Texans total is 45 and a half. The Colts are seven and a half point favorites. I'll start here for me. It's it. And I'll just keep it short and sweet. It's, I want to see the non-Pittman target distribution. Does Naheem Hines really have like a, a major role in the passing game? Is Alec Pierce the number two receiver? Or is it Paris Campbell to start the year? Um, how much does uh, the third receiver, whoever, whichever one of those two guys it is, how much do they factor in? Because I could see that player being a big waiver wire person uh, heading into week two. I think I think Moali Cox is going to have a juicy tight end role. And even if he so. doesn't... God, I really hope so, man. <laughs> I really hope so. VCU's finest, Mo Ali Cox. I, I like again. He's a guy which I would use because it's the Texans. It's a pretty decent matchup. Like, and you're just hoping for touchdowns. The Colts are seven and a half point favorites with the with the deep tight end like this. So, to me, I I want to see which one of these guys like pops from the non Pittman section, and I think that player is going to be a big waiver wire pickup in in uh, heading into week two. What do you got on the Texans side, Scott? Yeah, we've, we've talked plenty about Damian Pierce. You all know what the story is there. I want to see if Davis Mills 
is going to be good enough to support other players that we want to draft here. I guess to some extent, that's a little bit of Pierce, but can Nico Collins be a breakout guy? Can can Brevin Jordan be in a deeper league, a breakout tight end? They have a quality offensive line, not a great offensive line, but it's average for a weaker team. It's actually pretty good. Davis Mills was a five-star recruit at Stanford. Done a lot, went right for him in college. Very quietly, the second best rookie tight, quarterback last year. I realize that's damning with faint praise, given what happened to a lot of these <laughs> other guys, but... I think Davis Mills can play, and I think this might be a useful team in fantasy, even if they only win five or six games. But if I'm going to like Nico Collins or Brevin Jordan or really completely trust um, Brandon Cooks, I know he's done it with poor quarterback play before. That means I need Davis Mills to be competent. I think he can be. I'm excited to see what he does against the staunchest competition he'll have in division. I'm, I'm getting a memo right now from the NFL that the Colts have already clinched the AFC South. <laughs> it's, it's the first time it's ever happened before a season has started. But uh, I'd like to see Davis Mills show that he's really worth he, – I mean, he's maybe a long-term solution for the Texans. I think he might be. Yeah, I agree. He's he's kind of the X factor for this offense that has a decent bit of sleepers on it. All right, next game up. We got a revenge game here. Baltimore Ravens at New York Jets. <laughs> um, Joe Flacco is going to start the first uh, three games at least for the New York Jets. All right, total on this one's 44 and a half. Uh, the Ravens are seven-point favorites. I mean, Scott, your, your question is – based around the great Joe Flacco. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody thinks Joe Flacco is a long-term solution, and we haven't seen enough of Zach Wilson to know what Zach Wilson is and isn't, but Wilson kind of had a messy summer. If you're interested in some of these Jets receivers, and I think we all are, right? I mean, Elijah Moore, second-year breakout, we talked about those those guys. I think Joe Flacco is a better short-term answer for this team. I also want to see how much Michael Carter is going to play. I think he's ostensibly the yeah. starter right now. Obviously, Brees Hall has a, a bright future. And I think if somebody panics, Brees Hall has a really sluggish takeoff in September. I would sniff around and see if you could try to get him in a trade or something like that. I don't think he'll ever get cut. But I, I think right now more and maybe even Corey Davis or whatever jet receivers you want to use, I think they might be better off with Flacco in the short term. Yeah, and we'll know if there are any sleepers beyond Elijah Moore who I, like, I'm comfortable throwing out. Even with Joe Flacco in this game, I'm so comfortable throwing him out in my lineups this week. But if there's any guy, like if Corey Davis is going to hold down that number two job you know, on the outside away from Garrett Wilson, if Braxton Berrios is going to be like an actual big factor in the slot, like we'll know that a lot more based on their um, you know, snap distribution and everything like that. I, I'll, I'll spin it to the Ravens side, and I won't spend long on this because we talked about it up top with the running backs. I'm very – like I just want to see like what Baltimore's play calling looks like. Are they going to go back to full-on boomer ball? I kind of doubt it because of the way their running back core looks like right now. You know, Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake, like, I don't think so. Justice Hill is still in the mix there. I don't I don't think this is – I don't think, it, like, this is a team that's going to be able to just establish the run over and over again. Like, I, they're not going to throw the amount of passes that they did last year because they're not going to run an absurd amount of plays like they did last year. But I won't be surprised if they're still, like, 23rd, 22nd in passing rate because – they have really good players in the passing game and they don't have really good players in the backfield right now. My man, Frank Schwab, wasn't sure whether to play Gabe Davis or uh, Rashad Bateman. Now we, we already know by the time you're listening to this, what Davis did. I'm curious what you would have done with those guys. I would probably have started Gabe Davis, just a better game. In yeah. I, mean Davis I, too. I, I love saying this now after like w the Gabe Davis wars will have accelerated because one side is, you know, really coming for the other based on, and you know, the answer as you're listening to this, I right. don't know the answer as I'm listening to this. I thought so. it was fun to throw out a question where the, where the listener knows that knows everything now and we don't, but 
I mean, I thought Gabe Davis, I was saying all summer, I thought uh, outside the top 20 players in fantasy, like the yeah, the first first round or two, that Gabe Davis was the most discussed player this year. I always, actually, Scott, I heard nobody's talking about Gabe Davis. So. No, oh, except yeah. that nobody's talking about yeah, He's on my sleeper list. He's on my sleeper list for 2022. Yeah, so now since you're like an, almost an hour into this podcast, you know whether I'm a dumbass or not based on that answer and how Gabe Davis performed uh, on Thursday night. So, all right, we can go kind of quick on these last three before we get to yep. the primetime ones because like they're mostly junk teams. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars at Washington Commanders, although Andy Barron's put this among the games he's most excited to watch in week one when we did that podcast. What a what a sick puppy he is. 43 and a half total Commanders minus two and a half. Yeah, for for me, it's just is Antonio Gibson really back in the good graces? Wash, uh, Washington head coach Ron Rivera said like, oh yeah, we we trust him, and it's like, well, they don't really have a choice at this point. Like with Brian Robinson unavailable, unfortunately, for the first four weeks, they kind of I I they kind of have to use Antonio Gibson. I actually think like he makes for a really good fantasy start in this matchup. Um, so that he he's kind of my one guy to watch in this uh in this whole thing. And I I do think if you have Gibson, if you lucked into him on in like a zero RB hero RB type of build. Like I would feel pretty good and, and confident to start him at least in this game and probably even for the next four weeks. I think that's a great strategy. I like Gibson short term as well. I can't believe every scout was wrong on Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer set him up to fail. Really excited to see possibly a spike year for Lawrence and uh, and a follow the money move. Christian Kirk. I know is he overpaid? Maybe, but the Jaguars paid him like he's going to be their number one. I always liked him in Arizona. So I'm excited to see Lawrence here. Excited to see Kirk as well. Yeah, I'd start Kirk too. I mean, he's so would I. Bl- bl- the Washington Commanders blue cut. Well, they were the football team back then. Blue coverage is at an absurd rate last year. Chase Young's not going to be available for Week One, um, and, and I don't trust Jack Del Rio to have put together, uh, you know, a, a game plan to to fix this defense over the offseason. So I, I, I don't like trust Christian Jack Kirk. Del Rio in just about anything. I, I, he was a really great linebacker for several years, but uh, yeah, don't trust Del Rio. We're on the same page there. All right, Cleveland Browns at Carolina Panthers, 42 total. Panthers are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Scotty, what you got for this one? You were always looking for a tight end outside the top 10 who could maybe break uh, into that group, crash the party. David Njoko has been tight end eight in his best season prior. Cleveland doesn't have a great receiver room. It's Amari Cooper and a a bunch of kind of ordinary guys. And I think what Njoku does, always ask yourself, does he match up well with his quarterback? I think he does for Jacoby Brissett for about three months. So I've been drafting proactively for Njoku, and I would love some confirmation bias of that in week one. I mean, I'm with you on Njoku. He ended up being, um, I think, my tight end 11, 10, 10? I think 10. I, like I, I was, yeah, I liked him a lot, and I ended up drafting him in uh, my final draft just that wrapped up yesterday for my re- uh, redraft leagues. I drafted um, him in my final league, too. Look at that, Scott. We were right on the same page. Um, you know, I love to- you know I love talking about the damn Panthers. Um, uh, what style of passing game is Carolina going to be? Because they've actually been a bit more like modern of an offense th- than you would think based on their results. Um, and I just want to see like how Baker Mayfield looks on this team. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that. We don't have to care about a lot of guys behind Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Um, but I want to see like. What does Baker look like? You know, are they getting rid of the ball quickly? Are they booting him out of the pocket? Are they running a lot of play action? Because I think he makes a lot of sense in that type of stuff. But um, yeah, just very, very interested to see what he looks like. And you and I are to the moon on DJ Moore. Your bold prediction was that he would lead the league in receiving yards. And I just think this is the year where he finally spikes in touchdowns and, and gets the seven to nine or seven to 10 touchdown season. That's well overdue for him. I blame the quarterbacks, not DJ Moore. So if for some reason you're listening and you still have a draft, you may have a draft on Saturday or something. Uh, you have two thumbs up the the two thumbs up on dj moore go get that guy 
I'm banging the over on his receiving yardage prop, which I think is just over a thousand, which he's cleared every single free money. Year. That's, that's, he doesn't get hurt. He crushes that. I guarantee you that. Exactly. Uh, you also have two thumbs. You've got two thumbs up from us. You got two thumbs up from freaking Dalton Del Don because Dalton, man, like Scott, I'm, I'm just going to say this to you. Like, and I would I would say it's Dalton too. I've said it on the pod. I think before Scott, Dalton drives me nuts. Like that's why I had got to go to do the receiving yardage bold prediction for DJ Moore because I'm like, oh man, I, I love DJ Moore. I'm ahead of consensus. I've got him ranked like wide receiver twelve, and Dalton's like, yeah, I've got him at eight. So I had to go put my flag on DJ Moore in some way. That's why I, I made that bold prediction. Dalton uh, so, hot take, yeah. Dalton. He should be coming out with like his own brand of hot sauce or something like that because he comes in hot, man. That's a sponsorship opportunity. We need to we need to get a sponsorship from a from a hot monetized Dalton. That's our goal this year. <laughs> that is our goal. Um, all right. Last game before we move to primetime games, New York Giants at Tennessee Titans. The total here is 43 and a half. The Titans are five and a half point favorites. Um, I mean, oh, boy, what a, what a fun couple of teams here. Yeah, I put on my sleeper list, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akine, just for a short term, because I'm not sure how much Traylon Burks is going to play. Again, we, we talk about this whole show. Give these rookie receivers some time. I think Burks is going to be a guy who's probably dropped in a lot of leagues, and then maybe you yep. scoop him up in the middle of the season. I'm just curious what they think he's ready to do. Other than that, man, Tennessee's a sad offensive team right now. Derrick Henry, playable. Tannehill, probably not. Austin Hooper will have 70 catches and falls this year, but I don't know what Robert Woods has left in the tank, and that makes me very sad to say. But I'm, I'm curious what they have. Is Burks, I can see him getting five snaps. I can see him getting 35 snaps. I think Westbrook Akine is maybe a guy who beats his prop if he even has a prop posted this week or you play him in a DFS lineup as a punt at receiver. I want to see what the plan is for Burks. I don't think it's going to be a lot this week, but I do think he's going to flash. I, th- I think he's going to eventually be a really good player. I mean, he should. He's a first-round pick, right? I think some of the hate this summer has been a little bit unfair, but I also expect a kind of a slow onboard for him. He's another one where it's like the hype and the hate both went too far on Burks at different times of the offseason. So we'll see. And I think it's one of those where you can be right and wrong within the course of the season. Like, I think if you didn't like him, you're going to be right in the first half. And I think if you liked him, depends on how much you liked him. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm still skeptical on Burks long term, but that's a conversation for another day. One guy I've always loved for the long term is my guy Sterling Shepard. Um, and it, I'm it's crazy that he's going to play in like in week one. And I think he's I don't I'm not like saying you need to go draft Sterling Shepard, you know, pick him up or whatever. But I'm just interested where he fits into this rotation, because a lot of people liked Wondell Robinson as a late round dart throw. You know, Kadarius Tony got some steam at different points. Really, it seems like nobody cares about Kenny Galladay anymore. But Tony Robinson and Shepard are all like slot flanker guys. So if Shepard's going to play in week one, who loses snaps in that situation? I, I'm interested in that, but I, I'm not super interested in rostering any of these guys beyond Kadarius Tony, just because I do think he has big playability and a ceiling. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, Tony would be the guy I would draft and again as a bench player and hope that it develops because he did show some special ability last year in between being hurt. But Man, they they really need somebody to hang their hat on. A healthy Sterling Shepard would be exactly what this team needs. So it's encouraging that he make it on the field. And I've always liked him as much as you have, but he just seems to have trouble playing a full season. I have pulled back from some of my Daniel Jones optimism. He was one of my, oh, yeah, great best ball play, great like backup quarterback. I can see the whiff of upside. He runs a lot because I don't trust the receiver room. I felt like I had to move way back off that in the last few weeks. 
Yeah. Um, Sterling Shepard and Curtis Samuel, two guys I will always keep the candle lit for. Um, you know, and, and fortunately, a lot of injuries there the last couple of years. So we shall see. Um, all right. T- two actually interesting teams here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. The total here is 50 and a half. Bucks are minus two and a half. There's a lot like for as much as we like these two teams and, and as much as we like a lot of fantasy players here, there are an awful lot of questions to be asked. I think, you know, obviously like with the wide receivers for both teams, like what are the snap shares going to look like there? And honestly, both the running games too. Yeah. How much is Chris Godwin ready to to play to assume in week one, if he plays, what's the role for Julio Jones, who I, I think is going to be used almost like a Rob Gronkowski in the passing game where between the numbers, love that take. You know, yeah. I, ironically, Julio Jones has always been a huge volume guy who was a little bit disappointing in the touchdown column. I think this year it's going to be flipped. He's going to catch like eight or nine touchdowns, but only have like 55 catches or something like that. I actually like him to score a touchdown in week one. How sharp is Brady? I mean, the guy spent, you know, a week and a half away from the team. It seemed like every time I heard news about Tampa Bay's offense, it was something bad. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were sluggish to begin with. And then, you know, Dallas, they lose a key offensive lineman. We know their receiver room after CeeDee Lamb, who is wonderful, is very unsettled right now. Are they going to stick to Zeke? Are they going to ride that through the contract, even though – Pollard's efficiency was so much better last year. Great Sunday night game. This is this is the type of game I want separated. I would have been fine if Minnesota and Green Bay was the game, but uh, this is a um, two marquee franchise. The Cowboys are probably the most um, valuable franchise in the NFL. Tom Brady, the Buccaneers. Um, I, I can't wait to to sit down and watch this one. It is worth noting these two teams were the opener last year. Like we, yes, we've seen right. this matchup play out in a week one just high scoring game too long ago. High scoring game. The Cowboys lost to the Bucks twenty nine to thirty one. And you mentioned Zeke. Like if, if if you drafted Zeke, don't freak out after week one because they the the for the one the one time the Cowboys abandoned Zeke in like their history, he went eleven for thirty three and they just threw the hell out of the ball in that game. Like. Michael Gallup got hurt, but like both Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb had big opening games. Um, so I wonder if we see a similar strategy kind of be employed for this year for the Cowboys. But yeah, I, I think Julio is a good, I mean, like a kind of a good deeper deep flex play in this game, just because this is the healthiest he's going to be. I don't expect Chris Godwin to be that involved. And Russell Gage is also coming off an injury. So if Julio is the number two receiver and snaps played routes run, I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I like Dallas's defense from, um, you know, a, a pass rush perspective. I love Micah Parsons. Like I think he could win defensive player of the year this year, but you know, Trayvon Diggs makes a lot of big plays. He also gives up a lot of big plays and I'm not like super confident in the rest of their secondary. So I think this is a good spot to use Julio and, and both backfields, even Leonard Fournette. Like I I think Leonard Fournette's probably going to be in like a full every down role, but I'm interested if like Rashad white mixes in at all. But for the most part, we this is a, these are two teams where, well, when, when Godwin's healthy, it's like this, but the receivers are a little murky now. But for the most part, these are two teams where it's like, you know where the ball's going and you know which guys to start. We know Tony Pollard has speculation value, but can he be, to, to steal the great phrase of Sigmund Bloom, can he be a what-the-heck flex? Is he going to have standalone value if Zeke is healthy? I think so. My my take on that all offseason has been yes. I think because I think they're going to need him in the passing game. Again, it's worth noting uh, this week one matchup last time the the Cowboys ran Tony Pollard three times for fourteen yards, but he did get four catches on four targets. Like, I mean, I could see something like that. I, I think they're going to have to involve him in the passing game more. You know, is the guy coming off a thirty nine catch season? I in fifteen games last year, I bet he gets a lot more than that. Uh, this and there's year, a so. key. 
there's a key distinction I want to make with Dallas too. We don't really trust Jerry Jones with some of his decision-making and we don't always trust Mike McCarthy with his decision-making. Kellen Moore is in charge of the offense. And this is the team that right now doesn't have its receiver room the way they want it after CD lamb. I know teams always talk, you know, very commonly talk about, Oh, we're going to use your two running backs at the same time. We're going to use this guy more in the passing game. A lot of times it's just talk. It, it goes away. The moment that the first kickoff starts, it, it's meaningless, but I would love to see Kellen Moore would really go up in my estimation. And I respect Kellen Moore anyway. I think he's a de- decent offensive mind. I would love to see him find a way to get Tony Pollard, the the 45 to 60 catches that I think would fit in this offense really well. Yeah, my one criticism of Kellen Moore, um, and I think Cowboys fans echo this too, is that he is very much like a plays, not players type of uh, type of offensive coordinator. Cause I think he's a really good play designer. And I like a lot of the stuff that do, they do. I like that they really lean on the passing game and, and they're, they're pretty efficient as a passing team. But so, I mean, this was something Troy Aikman pointed out in the, in the playoff game against the 49ers. He's like, how does CD lamb not have like 10 targets in this, in this game? Cause he's, you know, he, he's good. He's open, et cetera. I think that's, that's, we'll know a lot more about Kellen Moore if like, if CeeDee Lamb finishes with like 125, 130 targets and not like 170 and Tony Pollard finishes with like 40 catches, that's like Kellen Moore just couldn't get off the script. Uh, but if they, if those guys like are those two guys rule the offense, right? From the passing perspective, and Dalton Schultz gets his, we'll know a lot more about Kellen Moore um, from, from that angle. All right. You said that I, I kept thinking of the Tennessee AJ Brown days where it's like, AJ Brown should never have five targets. You know, he should have he eight never. to ten targets every freaking game. And if it, you have a few thirteens or fourteens in there, that's fine too. And man, what would I love to see? I don't know. Philadelphia didn't throw the ball proactively last year. I would love it if a, you just, just AJ Brown should have 160, 170 targets out the door. I hope that finally happens. I hope so too, man. I mean, because he would go absolutely nuts. He Dallas Goddard too, by the player. way. Dallas Goddard, yeah. efficiency god. You can't spell yeah, Goddard dude. without God, man. That guy. If I knew he'd get the the you know, if I knew he'd get 130 targets, I might rank him tight end two or three. And Devontae Smith is good. Like, and he's yeah, maybe he their is. three. Do you have Eagles or Cowboys winning the division since we're talking about these two teams? I have the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, right. You said that. Um, okay, yeah. So that's... Uh, Doesn't mean they have to win the division. They could go through the wild card route. Yeah, that's right. Um you don't have to put this in the podcast, but it was in the in the pre-power outage <laughs> part of the pod. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was basically three hours ago. That no, feels uh, like a while right. ago. Yeah. A lot has changed. Yeah. The NFL changes fast, Matt. It really does. It really does. Uh, all right. Last game here in week one of the 2022 NFL season. Revenge Denver game. Broncos. Yeah, it's Seattle Seahawks. Big revenge game. Seattle's blowing it. They should be total. playing Drew Locke. So it's a full revenge game. I mean, they got Noah Fant. But he's probably going to play behind Will Disley. Revenge game. I love it. Uh, Shelby Harris was that the defender that came back in the in the trade too? A big revenge game for Shelby Harris as well. Uh, Forty four and a half total. Broncos minus six and a half. I mean, bet the mortgage on the Seahawks uh, plus six and a half in this game. Just bet. Just bet. No, I'm kidding. But like, I don't know, Scott. I I guess for me the big thing is I want to see if any if like I want to see if Russ just comes out here and fillets his old team. I just don't again maybe i look like a dumbass when we play this back i don't think that's going to happen i I think this game is going to be close i think it's going to be kind of ugly i think there's going to be an adjustment period for this broncos offense um i don't know these this is a this is a a game where it's like it's tough to make start decisions with like we just made plenty of easy start sit calls in the bucks cowboys game this one is difficult i don't know what the right answer is although i have drafted alberto I feel like he could be yeah. tight end five. He could be tight end 23. 
he's got the talent. He's got the physical set, uh, set of skills. He's got a quarterback now who can get a tight end into fantasy relevance. I mean, Russ propped up what was left of Jimmy Graham a few years ago to double-digit touchdown Oof. season. The targets have consolidated a little bit with Tim Patrick, who was going to be probably a red zone guy for Denver. He's obviously out for the season now. So I just said, you know, the heck with it. When you draft Alberto, you already have another tight end on, on roster probably. Draft for upside, draft for ceiling, draft a player who excites you. Albert O is that player for me. N- knowing that I could watch the game and it could be the second half and they'd be like, you know, uh, Aikman be like, well, you know, Albert O, man, he's been on the field, but they haven't targeted him yet. I, they were talking yeah. about how they liked him this year. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I do think Russ is good for at least three touchdowns, though. I'll probably be punching some of those Russ props. Uh, I would like to see Javante Williams has been a tough call for me because he's a, he's a league winner magazine cover boy. If they steer into him, Melvin Gordon's still a good player, but Javante Williams is seven years younger and at running back. That's a gigantic age difference. I did draft into Williams proactively on my last, um, my last draft I actually got Russell Wilson too, as it turns out, which is kind of odd to have a quarterback and a running back on the same team. Although it's, it's a 400 pick draft. You're going to have a lot of conflicts on your roster, but I think this is a blowout. I've been, getting the Denver defense everywhere I can for the next two weeks. Can Richard Penny survive? Now, Walker's probably not going to play. I, I know maybe Homer, DJ Dallas will be the pass down guy. I don't think Geno Smith is a kill shot for DK Metcalf. They actually riffed pretty well last year. And I think we might look a month into the season and say, why do we let DK Metcalf go so inexpensively yeah. all during draft season? But I think this game's going to get lopsided. I think it's going to get ugly. And they're going to be talking to Russell Wilson and he's going to have like you know, 24 for 29 for 275 and three touchdowns at the end of the night. Yeah. I'm a little more skeptical on, on Russ and this, this, the whole thing, um, you know, than you are. And I certainly think Pete Carroll could actually have the upper hand here from like a, I know you and I know how you play type of um, situation. Your note on Javante Williams, I'll echo that as well. Just with the, the piece that I said with Frank Schwab, you know, a hundred podcasts ago at this point that I think Javante Williams, actually controls his own destiny here in terms of how this split goes. And this is a beautiful spot for him to get off to a rock, you know, a rock and start, right? Like just get going and like tear up the Seahawks and really take the, the one a, or just full on one spot of this committee. And it'd be like a, like if it's going to end up being a 70, 30 type split and not a 55, 45, like it, Javante Williams going to have to ball out for the first two games. Like this is a really good way for him to start. And if you could get to that 70 plus, you know, between the two of them, that split, then you're going to be justified in whatever you draft, wherever you drafted Williams at, it will yeah. be worth it. And he may even get into that rarefied league winner category. Totally agree, man. Oh, Scott, it feels so f-ing good to just talk about real games that are going to happen. It's going to feel even better to talk about them on Sunday night. I, I it, it feels good. It feels good to be here. It feels good that week one is upon us. Yeah, that's it's you know, we're excited. You're in an air conditioned room with with um you know power on the grid. No, Let's I'm not. The games, this, is not this, is, this is not an air conditioned room, buddy. I am I am I will have to change into my third shirt of the day here in this in this room. So you're not wearing pants, is that what you're trying to tell us? Well, definitely. I'm no, I've not worn pants uh one time. Uh this, yeah, the JJ uh, Zachary recent ethos at play there. Anyway, yeah, man, much. um it feels like this has been a long off season. I know people have different views on that, but uh thanks to everybody for being with us this summer. We're excited about what's ahead. We can't wait for the games. We think Yahoo's a great place to play. So, um, you know, we're going to be wrong on a million things. And Sunday night, we're going to talk about some of that stuff. Hell yeah, man. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to just run through this journey with you and with every other one, every other one of our hosts on the podcast and everybody out there that is listening. All right. For now, that is going to do it for us. 
You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. Can't wait to see uh, which which player draws your ire of the, oh, you know who liked Michael Pittman? Everybody. Uh, Everybody. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) I have Michael Pittman for first touchdown. First NFL touchdown, 104 p.m. They go to the red zone. Here's Matt Ryan looking deep. It's no, it's not. It's not Alec Pierce. It's not Mo Ali Cox. It's Michael Pittman. Did you play him in fantasy? And I'll take the over on like five and a half fantasy writer sprained ankles during the victory laps to follow for uh, that reaction. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show and for God's sakes, what a great preview. How can you not like the show? Make sure to leave us a five star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Scott and I will be back on Monday morning, bright and freaking early with a recap of all those games that we just talked about. Until then, we're out of here, baby. Let's go. Week one. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.